You're listening to the In Search SEO Podcast by Rank Ranger. That's right. You are listening to the In Search SEO Podcast. The podcast that paints a town red with succulent search marketing insights. Reach for your wallet. We're talking to a legal expert, a digital marketing legal expert. Stephen Long of Precision Legal Marketing joins us to talk about SMBs and the right metrics to measure success and a little bit on local content as well. So we're going to get into what metrics should local and non-local sites be paying attention to to measure performance and where should they not be? How to handle a jaded new client who's been fed marginal and meaningless metrics in the past and crafting content for very niche locally based industries. But first, Google's got a product problem. Why free listings on the shopping strip are going to put Google between a rock and a hard place. I am your host, Morty Oberstein. I am joined by she, who is about as lively as an over-microwave potato, Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, Sapir. <laughs> you're, you're, you're... What's with that description? What? Wait, what? what's with that description? What, what? do you mean... Lively is an over microwave potato. <laughs> like first off, who microwaves their potato? My nine-year-old. My nine-year-old loves microwaving Are potatoes. You he loves microwaving <laughs> potatoes. It's either that or I got to put it in the oven for him. So hell, go ahead and microwave it. You, the answer to that question is when you say hello, Morty. It's like you're about as when you do that, you're about as lively as an over microwave no, potato. I, under, I understand that you meant that I'm not lively. Okay, but why did you choose over microwave potato? Because clearly my mind is tweaked. Oh, my God. Okay, We're 78 whatever. episodes into this, and you're asking me, why did you come up with some kind of weird comparison? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I don't know when to give up. I just... <laughs> I Cle- keep trying. Clearly, because you come back every single week, which we appreciate. We do love you, Sapir. Ah, thanks, You're Marty. welcome. Too bad it's not mutual. Oh. Oh. So um, I have to ask you, but I need your help. I need your help, big time. Okay. There's nothing good to watch on Netflix. Oh. There's just nothing. It's just crap <laughs> after crap. Netflix is it, 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 it's jumped the shark. It's just like they're just producing crap after crap after crap after crap at this point. I'm sorry. The Netflix yeah. era is over. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it's just a dry period. I don't know. I mean, there was Narcos Mexico season two. That was excellent. Then I don't know why I watched this because I watched the first three seasons. That's why I watched this. 13 Reasons Why season four. Horrible. The plot didn't make any sense. Like, who's reviewing this crap? I don't know why I I watched it. Don't judge me by watching that. I don't know why I watched that. And there's nothing else. Clearly, you have no life. I do have a life. It's like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And they're like, on what? I got to watch something. Like, now there's Unsolved Mysteries. Great, that's back. That's very original Netflix. (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, Oh, sucks. This whole crisis, everything, it all sucks. Oh, no. Netflix, you suck now. You're added to my you suck list. Can't stand it. Okay. Do not forget we put out a new episode of the InSearch SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rink Ranger blog. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can subscribe on iTunes and you may find the podcast wherever great podcasts are found. Also, don't forget, check out our weekly newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast newsletter. You can subscribe at the Twitter page for the podcast, the pinned tweet there will give you a way to subscribe to our newsletter. Of course, on Twitter, it's at insearch underscore SEO. And don't forget on Twitter, every week we release bonus content from our guests, from me, which is awesome, of course. So check out the Twitter page, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, subscribe right. to the awesome. podcast, subscribe to the newsletter, get great, stay up to date. The newsletter keeps you up to date on the podcast. Great content from around the world of SEO. We bring it to you in one condensed newsletter. Um, you can head over to the blog post for this podcast, and you can look on 
the blog post for a place to subscribe there as well. So follow the podcast, subscribe to the podcast newsletter, and all that great stuff. Also, plug for Rank Ranger when you want advanced rank tracking. I know I keep banging away at this. You want Rank Ranger because we are literally the only place where you can track if you rank above the fold or not, see if you rank above the fold, see how many other results are ranking above the fold with you, and see your true most accurate visibility with our absolute visibility metric, which tells you, by pixel rank tracking, where do you rank? And factors in the features, the cert features below you, which obviously pixel rank tracking can't take into account because it's below where you rank. So check out Rank Ranger's awesome advanced analytics metrics for tracking rank in the world of SEO today. Uh, head over to rankranger.com, sign up for a 14-day free trial. No credit card necessary because we don't suck. Anyway, okay. I've uh, got a great, great, great show for you today. I'm chatted up with Stephen Long of Precision Legal Marketing about the finer point of measuring success and offering SMBs real metrics so they don't think you're full of crap. You might be full of crap, but the point is that you don't want them to think you're full of crap. Um, right. But before that, I'll be divining. I'm going to look at my crystal ball because when I look into my crystal ball, I see cloudy skies on the SERP for commerce queries. I also see a McDonald's. I don't know oh, why I see okay. McDonald's when I looked at my crystal ball for the Commerce SERP's future, but I see a McDonald's. Um, anyway, uh, I'm always hungry. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's shake up the old magic eight ball and see why free listings on the Google's shopping SERP is going to put Google in quite the predicament because we're going down an SEO wormhole. So Google recently announced that the product knowledge panel will only show organic listings under its stores tab. In other words, if you Google a product, like, I don't know, for example, do not think of his example in advance. Of course, we never do that. Um, Calvin Klein granny underpants for men. Google may show a knowledge panel, and in this panel are stores where you may buy Calvin Klein granny underpants for men online. Make sense? What? What a wonderful example, Morty. I mean, did you recently purchase one? Or, like, how does your mind even come up with those examples? I have, Randy, I have a very Randy dark Andy. sense of humor. Very dark. That's not dark. That's just weird. <laughs> Is it? I think it's, I don't know. Fine. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I, did search, I did search for CK Granny Underpants for Men. And I'm no. Sure you did. Yeah. Disappointingly, no. the knowledge yeah. product knowledge panel does not appear. I think oh. we need to get Denny Sullivan on this right away. Uh, right away. Might might be best to try and use a different example, though. Just saying. Hey, some people need granny underpants, and they should be stylish granny underpants. <laughs> okay, then. Okay. I'll leave it to you. Okay. Thank you. Currently, currently, as is implied, Google only shows stores that pay to appear in the store tabs of the product knowledge panel. Okay, so for like, let's think of it like this, okay? If Harry's succulent schmatas has a free shopping listing on Google, okay, his underwear emporium will not show in the product knowledge panel as a store where you can buy these fabulous undergarments. Whereas Bernie's, Bernie's bodacious banana hammocks does. Why? Oh my God. <laughs> because Bernie pays for his online store to appear in Google Shopping. In other words, those who pay for Google Shopping listings now currently get featured in the product knowledge panel on the main SERP, whereas that will soon be reversed. So no banana hammocks in the knowledge panel. Right. No banana hammocks no in the knowledge panel. No banana hammocks in the knowledge oh, panel. Okay. By the way, I like the fact that you freak out about my example of like, you know, granny underpants for men, but banana hammocks you're like totally cool with. <laughs> Borat has corrupted me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so my bottom line is free Going forward, free listings only will appear in the product knowledge panel. Bottom line. That's what you need to know. Make sense? I mean, isn't it about time? That's what the user wants at the end of the day. Like being able to find the best product to match their needs and like more easily and rapidly. Something that you cannot say they get if, they, if we're talking about the paid results, right? If Google wants to, I, I think if Google wants to establish their position in the e-commerce industry, they need to give the users what they want. I, yeah, I, that, 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 that's 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 exactly what's happening here. Um, right. 
Right? That's why Google opened up free listings, right? This, this makes total sense because as recently as April, okay, Google started to allow free listings within Google Shopping. So now everybody can throw their product up and you don't have to be willing to pay in order to do so, which means right. more products, right? Free listings, more mm-hmm. products, which means, by the way, that Google can be more competitive with Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it'll affect Amazon, but as a user, I'm always happy with some good industry competition. Yes, all of this makes sense, but Google has a problem because of this. Big problem, I think. What problem? The problem is that if you is it you you when you search for something, you start off on the main SERP. Okay? You got to think a lot of people are not moving over to the shopping tab to see those free listings. Right? So, as I think I've mentioned uh-huh. on this very podcast, it might have been Twitter. But Google <laughs> Google will What do you think Google's going to have to do up here? What are they going to have to do if that's the case? Uh, have to show free listings on the main server. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. Right. Winner. Which is what we're <laughs> seeing here, right? They're saying no more paid listings. We're going to move the organic listings into the, into the knowledge panel for products. It's exactly what we're seeing here. Yeah, okay. But, but why would Google want to lose the money by not showing paid listings? In the knowledge panel. That is a very good question. Because you're all we're always about, okay, Google's going to go pay to make more money. But the problem is if you throw right. up free listings and people are not really accessing those free listings, they don't perform well because people are not going to the shopping tab on the SERP, people will stop listing free products. Or as, as they won't be doing it to such an extent as Google wants them to. So Google has to give these products more visibility. And the knowledge panel for products is a terrible way to do that. Terrible way to do that. Why? Because, okay, in order to see your product, you're st- in order to see the product and then subsequently to see those stores where you can buy that product, you have to search for a very specific product. Like you have to search for Rachel Ray orange uh, handle pants, which, by the way, I own and they are wonderful. But it's oh, not like you could search. What are you talking about? But okay. You don't Rachel Ray orange handle pants. I, I Google don't cook, them. so. Oh, really? I, I don't cook either so much, I, but like I have pans. Um, okay. <laughs> And they're wonderful pants. But it's not like you're going to do a search. You're Just keep interrupting me. Go ahead. Because now I don't remember what I was going to say. (laughs) Right? You search. Right. It's not like you're going to do a search for um, like best pants and see the the, the product knowledge panel. You have to search for a particular product, which means up here, which means. Which means. Morty, I'm not a prophecy guru like you. I can't read your mind. Just say what you think. Oh, my God. Fine. It means that Google is going to have to throw out more free listings or move or or give more visibility, rather, to more free product listings on the main Uh SERP. Besides just this flimsy way of doing it with this panel thingy, which is the problem I mentioned before. All of this highly entertaining setup, which is that Google's going to have to push product, wink, wink, even when it may not be in the in the in the aligned with the user's real intent, like Google's going to be stuck with it, it is stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I think it's just an inevitability. You have three. You have, in other words, you have. I'm going to kind of go off here a little bit. If that's okay with you, up here. Okay. Okay. You have three people yeah, in this. Okay. In this, it's a love triangle. You have the people who are posting free listings on the on the product SERP. You have the people who are going to the main SERP. Well, um, to actually buy a product and you have people going to the main strip to research a product and Google could only right. make two or three of those people happy at one time. Follow me here for a second, okay? Okay. Google's gonna, it's gonna have, it's Google's gonna say to itself at some point, I think, right? That we, hey, we really gotta push these products from the shop, shopping SERP on the main SERP, which means that it's gonna have to create a more heavily commerce-based SERP in order to make the people who are posting those listings happy, happy because those listings are going to, be, to perform better because there's a greater access point, the main SERP versus the unused, relatively unused, shopping SERP, all things considered. Okay, right. That makes people who are looking for a product to buy a product very happy. There's more right, listings, right. more organic listings, and it makes the people who are posting the listings very happy. Those two people are very happy. However, the person going to the SERP to research about a product is now going to see way more commerce stuff on the SERP and be like, where the heck is all the information I want? So they're going to be unhappy. You know, you make, yeah. you know okay, that kind of makes sense, right? There's no way Google can really yeah, yeah. cater to both. Okay? Right. Google's going – this is – it's an uncommon point, but it's like sort of where 
com or, or Google, sorry, it's, it's sort of where Google's quest to make the user happy, right? To do what's best for users and then doing what's best for Google's bottom line sort of like go into a head-on collision. And usually those two things sort of align to each other. What's better for users is usually what's better for Google's bottom line, okay? But here the problem mm-hmm. is what's good for the user and what's good for Google's drive to be a commerce giant to take on Amazon, it's really, it's like two cars go driving at 100 miles an hour. The, the, mm-hmm. it's, does, you no, or normally don't see such a stark uh, moment in time where those two things collide, where Google's what's best for users and what's best for Google's bottom line collide. Usually they're very, very much aligned. And here it's not, and it's very stark. Very stark. Right, right. Right. I got to breathe for a minute. <laughs> yeah, breathe, breathe Morty, please. Okay. Breathe. <laughs> Okay. Okay, but do you understand the problem? Like, it, it can't, it can't deal with that subintent. There's this, there's on, on on every single commerce SERP, right? Buy buy a new laptop. There's a secondary intent, which is to learn about buying a laptop. Best reviews, you know, best one for business, best laptop for personal use. All this information that people do before they buy a product. That's on the SERP for buy a laptop or buy whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That subintent, that secondary intent, Google can't handle as well. If it's going to try to put more free product listings on the main SERP to make people who are putting up those free listings on Google Shopping happier because they're performing better. So Google's mm-hmm. going to be faced with a dilemma of either making people who are looking for that secondary intent to learn about whatever product they're looking to buy happy or make the people who are trying to post those free product listings happy. No. Can't do both. And Google already has a problem. I think there's way too much. I think the commerce SERP is way too commerce centric. And this is a very easy trap to fall into. So I'm not like, oh, I'm up in arms. And Google's, But I think it has a problem. I think there is a problem. I think it's going to get worse. And I'm just going to quickly run through where I think Google has this problem. One, if you do almost any buy search, except for complex things like buy a car, buy a house, buy a boat, buy a wife. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just caught that. Um, even though, yeah, I just caught that. <laughs> even though, even though <laughs> there are going to be informational results on that page. However, despite that, the top of the SERP, the above a fold for sure, is all commerce. Even the mm-hmm. research carousel, which you see often, is at the way, way, way bottom. And I don't think you can say because, okay, because the intent here, you're buying a new laptop. The intent here is very much commerce. So everything above the fold, even even the top results below the fold are all going to be commerce results. And everything related to information is going to be towards the bottom of the page. I mean, you could say that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I just personally don't think that makes so much sense. I think to me, it feels like Google is saying, hey, we're putting our thumb on the scale for commerce and we're going all in ads, PLAs, local packs, top results are all commerce. We want to drive home the idea that the SERP is a place centered on commerce. We want to compete with Amazon. We want users coming here to buy things to see, hey, we're a serious place where you can buy stuff. And I think that's why they're pushing all the informational results towards the bottom of the page, not just because the the intent is so strong to buy. Would you Again, you could make that argument. It could just be intent. I just don't see it. Now, the second issue where you clearly see the informational search for uh, the informational intent is getting shafted a little bit is let's say you do um like um i'm trying to think of a good example um oh, right, yeah. la- you search for la- no, no 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 real example like laptop reviews <laughs> like something around reviews oh, okay. okay where clearly yeah. the intent is informational there the first right. thing you're going to get are going to be plas right okay and then if you scroll down the page you're going to get informational results at the top, and then you're going to get another PLA carousel or, or another product carousel of some sort in there. It's a very informational query. Why are you throwing me so many product carousels there? Because, again, mm-hmm. Google has put its thumb on the scale for commerce. It's got to push that commerce. It has to. Okay? Mm-hmm. Even if, like, I, I, I think I did a search last week for um, how to find the right jeans because I love tight-fitting jeans make my ass look good. Oh, God. So, again, okay. product, <laughs> product ads. Right, you get right PLAs right yeah. away. Okay, but all of the you you have a, a, a product carousel. I had a whole thing on the right hand side of the page, a whole other set of um or um paid listings to buy the product. All of those ads make Google look like it doesn't get the intent. Like I'm showing up to learn about how to get the right jeans to fit my ass right, 
And then I see all these places to buy jeans. I'm like, Google, you don't have this right. And that's problematic. And I understand why Google's doing it, but I don't think long-term it's going to be what's good for the user. And of course, I don't think it's going to be what's good for Google long-term. Right. Okay. But and when- you know, Google, Google keeps striving to give results more aligned to the intent behind the search. So I'm pretty sure they're already working on solving this issue now. I don't know. There is an easy solution to all of this, right? You could just take that research carousel that you get when you do a query, even a buy, buy new laptop, towards the bottom of the page, you have a carousel that like, you know, says research. And you can, it's all a bunch of articles about researching that product. So just move that up and give the user looking for that secondary intent to learn versus to buy, give mm-hmm. them access to that, uh, uh, an access point to that informational content above the fold somewhere. And you can go crazy with all your ads and your PLAs and your product carousels, but offer that at the top of the strip. So at least for, to the person looking to learn, you don't look like you got intent totally wrong here. Right. By the way, I, this is an important point because we often look at, 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 at Google as, okay, we'll look at the SERP and we'll figure out what intent really is. But if Google's skewed in how it looks at intent then what you're taking away might also be skewed. So it's not like a purely abstract point here. It does play, you have to be careful how you look at user intent based on Google and you have to understand how Google's relating to the SERP and where it might be working. I don't want to call it ulterior motives, but motives other than pure intent alignment. Right. Okay. Right. right. I'm done. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> there Very we nice. go. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to probably talk about, um, I want to talk this 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 point of of Google um, using the research carousel to offer more segues or more access points to other sorts of information is part of a larger point that I want to discuss on the podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. But now, like wow. I said, reach for your wallets because there's a legal expert coming on. And every time I talk to a lawyer, I always pull out my wallet. But he's not actually a lawyer. <laughs> He is a digital marketer that works with lawyers. He is Stephen Long, and he's here to tell you which metrics suck and which metrics don't suck and which metrics will screw up your client's mindset and which metrics won't. So pay attention because here's another interview. Here comes another search marketing expert. It's time for an in-search interview. are listening to another In Search SEO podcast interview. Today, we have with us one of the foremost experts on SEO and digital marketing within the law industry. In fact, you might describe him as the Wayne Gretzky of SEO for law firms. He is the president of Precision Legal Marketing. He is Stephen Long. Welcome. Wow, man. That's an intro. Wayne Gretzky? Wayne Gretzky of hockey, of hockey, of, 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 hockey, of SEO for law firms. <laughs> <laughs> of hockey. I mean, you might be. Do you play hockey? I do, actually. I've, I've played almost my whole life. Uh, ice hockey or roller hockey? Uh, both, actually. Roller really? hockey earlier in my life. Um, and then, and then, well, ice and then roller, mostly roller, then ice. But yeah, I, but I don't wear number 99. That's like, that's sacrilegious. Sac- right, right, of course. So you can't do that. Mine is a 33. And, and I'll leave you to that. If you know, if you're a hockey guy and you know who really made 33 famous, we'll, we'll, it's kind of controversial. Kind of like me. Okay. I mean, I used to play as a kid. I used to play roller hockey. I used to play street hockey. I played once in a league when I was like, 12 but other than that which is like horrible horrible pickup games it's sort of like wayne's world right game on that's, that's street hockey yeah that's street hockey. Street. I, I mean i got a net in the garage but you come right over we'll shoot some pucks all right nice i still have my hockey stick when i was a kid my kids use it now but hey that's awesome yeah my yammer yager titan hockey stick coho coho <laughs> ccm i remember vic that's still around even no, they all like conglomerated into into Bauer. Wow, whatever. Yeah. Oh, no well. more Nike either. You know. Oh, really? There's no more Nike in hockey. No, they took a swoosh out of hockey. Who does that? I don't know, but you know what? I'm a big Yankees fan. Yeah. And what upsets me is the Nike swoosh right smack on the front of the Yankee jersey. Why does it bother you, man? It's corporate greed. It's it's because the Yankee. I mean, I, it could be an MS jersey. It could be in a Red Sox jersey. It could be in whatever jersey. But you can't put it. It's the same freaking jersey that Babe Ruth wore. And now you put a freaking Nike swoosh on it. Ethics, man. Sports ethics. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it hurts. It stings. It stings. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about hockey. We're going to talk about SEO. But first, what is precision legal marketing? You know, we're a small boutique marketing agency for attorneys and law firms nationwide. And so while we're full service, we... 
we focus obviously mostly in the digital realm. Um, you know, we do a little bit of TV buying and, and commercial production, video production for lawyers, but, and, you know, predominantly it's us building websites, performing SEO services, running PPC campaigns, Facebook campaigns for lawyers and attorneys pretty much anywhere. Awesome. And where are you guys based out of? Not We're that based it matters. Out of yeah, not that it matters right. nowadays, right? Right. Well, so I'm, I'm, you know, so we're based out of out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is a lovely town. Awesome. Um, never, yeah. I've been to Virginia. I mean, I lived, in, I lived in Maryland for three years. So I've been to Virginia a gazillion times. I never been to Virginia. I never been to Virginia Beach. Should have missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's if you were ever in Ocean City, Maryland, it's kind of similar. To that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, not my yeah. favorite place actually, Ocean City. But yeah. Oh, well. Okay, so we're going to talk about metrics and how to measure your site's performance, which metrics to look at for for local sites, for non-local sites. So I guess let's start off real simple for anybody who's not familiar with the topic. Um, When dealing with a local or non-local sites, what are your top metrics when you're trying to gauge a site's performance? Well, I mean, so for us, it's probably, and, and, you know, there's there's, there's a lot of questions you could ask about um, about metrics in general that are a little different for law firms. And so if you're out there running a site for a law firm, you may have noticed some things that are quite a bit different than some of the other sites that you may manage, right? And so one of those things is 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 bounce rate. Bounce rate for law firms is usually between 50 and 70%. And, and that's like unfiltered, not running a cheesy plugin that lets you artificially lower bounce rate so you can, you know, right. look really cool to your clients on a report. Um, but, but the fact is, is people really, when they look for legal services, it's kind of like when they buy a car, right? They, they, they're doing a little bit of research first and then they're, then they're making a decision. And, you know, the stats are out there that, you know, people choose or they look at, you know, three to four attorneys online before making a choice. And so you see that pop up in the metrics. You see, um, you see a high bounce rate. You see a, uh, you know, a time on site of a minute and a half to two minutes and a half, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so they just don't spend a lot of time. They try to solve their problem quickly. It is a funny thing because I, I know people are very much like concerned about their bounce rate. Oh, my bounce rate is high. What am I? But for certain instances, it kind of makes sense for it to be high or for certain niches, for certain verticals, and it's okay. It's sort of like a conversion rate. It's going to be high in some places, low in other places. Well, I mean, you know, we're not in the e-commerce business. So right. our conversion rate too is very, very different. Um, you can obviously, uh, you know, one of the things that's unique about law firms is you can't go like you can never really go, not really go into Google Analytics and set up a set up a, a conversion goal that has any dollar amount attached to it. And and like to a lot of people, that's total foreign concept. You're like, well, how do you measure ROI? You're like, well, you measure ROI by really being communicative with your client, trying to find out who turns into a case. And so I think that's unique in our business is that we spend a lot of time with our clients um uh, you know, educating them on what a conversion is and and really kind of how to follow that conversion path from an SEO perspective all the way down into a law firm, you know, business perspective. How do you frame that to them uh, in terms of conversions? If it's not going to be just really, pure. Yeah, we, we, you know, when we educate a client about conversions, we, we start talking to them about on our end, which is the things that we really look at on the front end, which is a phone call, a form fill, meaning, a, you know, a form on a website. And a live chat. We we have a live chat service that we deploy, um, and and so those turn into conversions as well. And and then you have to kind of take them through. You have to you have to actually figure out on their end how they handle a phone call and a form fill and a live chat. Where does it go? Who gets it? What do they do with it? What do they say to these folks? And so, like you know, using recorded phone lines is really really helpful for us. Even not even in a paid ad scenario, but even just in a regular you know, site optimization scenario where we're just trying to figure out how they handle on the business end of things, how they handle intake. Um, and that can be very, very difficult for a law firm to, to get a handle on. So we end up on the phone with the managing partner, who is kind of like the, you know, the, the manager of the firm, if you will, talking to them about their staff and having tough conversations about, hey, listen, John, who answered this call here, botched it, man. Just, you know, just... <laughs> and that's hard. You know, it's hard. That's a very – and I don't think I've ever heard the conversion um, framework expressed in that way before. Like really digging into, okay, qualifying, okay, what, what happens? Um, they fill out – let's say the goal is they fill out a form or they, or they make a call. What happens afterwards? Who handled it? How do they handle it? What does it actually mean? Because in digital marketing, it seems that we end up like, okay, well, I have X percentage of my goals have been completed. I am doing awesome, which is what you generally see 
folks looking at. Like these like very like top level metrics or um, very unqualified versions of things like goal completion or conversions and so forth. Yeah, but the problem is that, you know, you don't know if you're doing awesome if you're not digging into the business side of things. So, you know, in certain areas of law, um, you know, let's just take divorce, for instance, a conversion looks very, very different to them because they may they may have to do a two hundred dollar in, uh, initial consultation with the client. So they'll take two hundred dollars. Well, then there's a conversion action. You can you, you know, you can measure ROI against that. But then what happens from there? Do they do they turn into. Um, a case, does that turn into a retainer for the firm where they take a 10, maybe a five or a 10 or $20,000 retainer? Well, I guess it depends so, how bad the marriage is. Right. But then see, then you've, <laughs> so then you've got all this other, these other issues too. And I know I'm in the weeds here, but it's the weeds, you know, where you really find, you know, underneath the weeds, the grass, right? So right. like, you know, you've got to really dig into this and it's sometimes very difficult for law firms to, because they, they themselves don't understand what what they do and how they do it it just works for them like the lawyer just goes to court i, I hear that all the time right i mean i would imagine this is very similar to something like say a car dealership or or, or anytime you're going to make a more complicated sort of conversion where you you may make a phone call you might come in you might put a down payment you might take that down payment back hey i don't want to buy the car anymore all that, all it. those sort of things so when we talk about looking at these things what do you find that most people tend to look at as opposed to doing something a little bit more deeper than you are like you are well, I mean, I think most people tend to look at some of the standard metrics that are out there, and you can glean some insight into performance by looking at, you know, the overall traffic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with overall traffic, um, you know, and looking at it by a geography and and looking at conversions, even if I call I call them top line conversions, phone calls, form fills, live chat, um, you know, and obviously over time, if you see an increase in that activity and and you're hearing from your client things are going well, then obviously those are valuable metrics. But right. digging into the data is, you know, and is, is really where it's at. And, you know, the other thing about law firms is there's only really, you know, there's a whole bunch of long tail keywords and everybody uses the term long tail keywords and you can get conversions off long tail. And I don't disagree with that, but in our business, you find that long tail keywords generate that there's the researchers, but when they're ready to buy, when they're ready to, to, to look at retaining a law firm, it's the conversions come off the short tail, you know, I need a personal injury attorney. Um, you know, it's those really kind of quintessential, uh, more traditional keywords in the law firm business that convert. That's interesting because like, we, we, we do always talk about long ter- long tail keywords. Like, for example, I see that they will work very, very well in the health space because whatever topic you're going to talk about, like Parkinson's, diabetes, cancer, whatever it is, there are so many variants, so many questions you're going to have. Imagine like a pregnancy. I mean, there's like a million long tail questions people are asking all about whatever. I know because my sister's pregnant. So she, and Ashley asked her, like, I want to do some research. Tell me some questions, like really, you know, like some full questions you would ask. And there are all these crazy things about eating hot dogs with nitrates and blah, 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 blah. So there seems to be a lot of room in a lot of industries for long tail, for long tail conversions. But that is interesting that in certain verticals, that's not the case. I wonder, how do you deal with that though? Yeah, it's frustrating. You have to follow the path, right? You have to really look at what the user is doing when they convert. Um, and so they may start out looking at an FAQ page and end up on like the actual attorney's page. And that's really interesting because, you know, people in our business, they hire attorneys, not law firms. And you see that in the data, right? You see them going from the divorce page or the injury page, or truck accident page, whatever, funneling their way down to maybe an FAQ page and then moving on to the attorney themselves and then picking up the phone. I mean, it's, it's that it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, and and I think it's an important point because I would imagine that for every, um, Every industry, every local local service area business, every time, whether it be cars or whether it be you know a retail store or whatever it is, is going to have a different path. Like, I don't think everything's going to look like a law firm. No, not at all. In fact, I think a law firm can be somewhat unique. I mean, in a, you know, when's the last time you looked up a restaurant and you, well, I guess maybe in uh, maybe in New York City, if you're going to a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to look at the chef. But other than right, that, no. you're looking at their menu. Exactly. Right. That's a good point. You know? So how do you deal with that? If you're if you're talking about long tail doesn't work for you, so that strategy is we love that strategy because it really helps if you're fighting against the titans of your industry. But what do you do if you can't? Like that's what's your, that, that's your bread and butter. Yeah, so we actually use long tail keywords, and we try to get those. We try to get our fact pages to come up on those keywords. So when because they're research keywords, so you want research based information, blogs, facts, inner pages of the website to rank for those for those types of searches. 
Um, oftentimes also those, those, those types of searches end up on homepage. And so they're kind of quasi conversion. They're, they're converting, they're leading to a conversion, but usually people don't convert from those mm -hmm. directly. So you really have to think about like how you, for how you sort of like, um, reel in the, it's like a fish that use a horrible exactly. expression. I want to call your consumers Why? fishes, but I guess that's what it's like. Um, it is. yeah. I'm wondering how does, okay. So you're, you're diving in deep. You're really thinking about your process. I mean, it sounds like you have a very, very complex view of how understanding where the user's coming from, what they're looking at, how they end up at a conversion. It doesn't sound like most people do this. Really? That's weird. No, come on. I mean, <laughs> traffic. I have traffic coming in. Who cares? I'm Forget traffic. I'm ranking well. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, rank is a joke. I remember, you know, during the, you know, the, the, the height of the COVID-19 crisis, I was looking at some travel keywords and all these sites are ranking number one for keywords that no one is entering into Google. Where are you traveling to? What hotel are you booking? We saw the same thing. What do I, what do I, what do I do? How does, how does my ex, uh, how can my ex sue me during COVID-19? How can my, <laughs> how can I file a lawsuit? No, I swear to God. That's awesome. You know, like you. Uh -huh. New York City was locked down. I mean, completely locked right. up. People shut into their apartments, right? And so, like, if you had a first responder, like a nurse, um, who was going to work, coming home every day, and had full custody of their child, and their ex-husband wanted custody, well, how do you deal with that? And I, so the ex-husband... Ironically, yeah. that's a question I thought, because my wife is a nurse, and I'm from a divorced family. So I'm like, how does how that actually play out? And, 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 hundred, and you know, thousands of people, <laughs> if not hundreds of thousands of people, are wondering the same thing nationwide. Oh, that's, I mean, that must be a, I mean, side point, that must be a horrible situation to have to deal with. Yeah, but we saw it showing up in conversions. I mean, you know, people were asking general questions of the firm that had never been asked before, um, in this case, and other firms like them in the different regions of the country, we saw it repetitively. Right. Where we published COVID-19 content, we won. Um, you know, we, we won, we won. We, we had folks coming in looking for information and then retain the firm later. And that's what you, that's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. No, that's good stuff. Good traffic. I mean, you've got to react, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but it's funny because people like, people will focus on traffic and there's, there's two different types of traffic. There's traffic that's meaningful and there's traffic that's traffic. I remember I had a page, um, I don't remember the exact details at this point, but it was, it was some random website, some random big website was linking to something that I wrote. And I was getting a ton of traffic for it, but it was worthless. It had nothing to do with me. I don't know why they linked to it. It was like very random. So you can have traffic and it can mean nothing. You can have conversions and they mean nothing. See, you got to remember, we're in the law firm business and people, salespeople prey on this business, Morty. They, they prey on because they, they're, well, their perception, are not necessarily wrong, but their perception is out there that they have the money to spend and will spend it. And so salespeople go to where, you know, if you're fishing, where do you go? You go, you go to where most of the fish are, right? I, I go to the supermarket. Yeah. Well, me, I, you and me do. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't fish. I just, you know, I don't, but anyway, I'm not begrudging people who fish, but, <laughs> but, but in any, in any case, it's, it's a, this business is really preyed on. And so you've got a lot of bad actors out there, um, that prey on relentlessly on lawyers and law firms, um, and, you know, for instance, as an example, I mean, I can't tell you how many often or how often I've, I've seen links built for lawyers on boating websites or, and, and out of the country, you know, obviously, you know, websites that are completely, they have nothing right. to do with a lawyer, nothing. Right. And it happens to a lot of local businesses. It does. And it's super frustrating. I wish it wasn't the case. Um, so what happens at a certain point, the client's going to catch on to that, right? Like you, you built me all these links. I paid all this money. And nothing's happening. So you can so you can use BS metrics. You can you can fluff your way through everything. But at a certain point, you you you're gonna have to deal with reality. Like the clients, uh, you know, the clients' actual revenue hasn't spiked. Nothing happened. So why are they paying you? Pretty much. I mean, that, right, exactly. Yeah. And that's but it's really difficult. Like I can't tell you how many situations I've been in where I'll we'll get called in a consult, um, and it's you know it's the same old thing. It's hey you know please we're looking for an SEO per, an SEO agency you know can you can you give us a top down analysis of what we have? And we look at what what they've been doing in the past, and we show them a, a backlink report. We we show them traffic metrics because we'll get access to Google Analytics and go in and you know really dig under the hood. They have no idea, right. and it's not their fault. It'd be like you know. Morty, we're the doctors, right? We're the doctors. Like, I don't have a CT scan in my house, and I'm doing a CT scan on your website. And 
So sometimes you have to have tough conversations with folks. I mean, that's got to be hard. If you're, if, let's just say, let's run through. You have a client, they're coming off a really bad experience where their, their agency or their, whoever they're using, we're just feeding them, you know, fluff metrics, vanity metrics of all sorts, all kinds, because there's just a million, millions and millions of vanity metrics. Even good metrics can be vanity metrics in the wrong circumstance. And now they come to you. And now you're, I'm gonna sh- you're, you're gonna show them, you know, how to walk through the what's, what does a real conversion mean? How does it what how does the process look? What's real? What's not real? What metrics should you focus on? What are they actually? How do you actually qualify them? How do you get them to believe you? <laughs> very carefully, and that can be um, very difficult sometimes because they're you know one of two things happens: either they look at you like, "Holy crap, where have you been all my life?" And I'm serious, <laughs> nice. and it's not me personally. It's it's anybody in in our field, that's ethical. And there's, there's a, obviously a bunch of us. It's not like I have the secret sauce of ethics here in law firm marketing, but the, un, the bad actors out there, um, who I might name names, but the bad actors out there that, the, that, that are taking advantage of these law firms. Um, yeah, vanity metrics is a huge problem. So how do you get them to believe you? You have to go in with the honest, blunt truth. Like that, you know, $3,500 a month you were spending, unfortunately, was being burned. And here's why, and here's how, and here's what we could do to recover from it. And that's a really hard conversation to have, right? I mean, who wants to hear that they just blew through 150 yeah, grand? Yeah, that's going to be rough. You know? So you, you've got to be careful, and you, you have to always, you know what you have to do? you got to always tell the truth, no matter how good or how bad it is. And if you do that, you're going to be okay. What is, I'm wondering at this point, what does that truth look like for, let's say, a um, a site that represents a local small business versus a because I'm sure you have this in the in the uh, in the legal field. You have your local lawyers and you have your your big attorneys who are national whatevers. You know, I don't. I guess there's laws that are. I guess there are laws that are more um, regional focus, location focus, and there's just national laws in the U.S. I'm talking about, right? Tax law, federal tax law, versus yep. your local estate planning. Yep. I'm wondering, what do you see? What are the differences between, say, looking at the metrics for that apply to a local service area business versus a national site? Well, I mean, obviously, you've got to you've got to Google my business and a local citation. You know, uh, not problem, but you've got to you've got to. Uh, well, it can be a problem. Well, it could be, but uh, I'm trying not to be that negative. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you've got to Google my business and a, and, a, and a citation aspect of things that you don't have necessarily on a national basis, and you don't necessarily always need that. So from a, from a local law firm perspective, you've got to really do a good job of, of, of really mastering their local SEO efforts, you know, really sensitive to, um, to names being specifically, you know, uh, listed out properly. And you got to remember they're law firms. So they're, you know, somebody, some, you know, there's, it's a three names with a comma and then a P and a dot, a C and a dot. Um, all of that stuff can come into play. Um, when you're when you're doing local SEO and you don't have that necessarily with a national or regional firm, the metrics, the metrics, you know, you, obviously you want them to come from a local source. Right. I mean, you don't want, you know, if I'm getting, you know, 30 percent of my traffic from from Kazakhstan and right. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Wondering how did oh. I plan an estate in California? I'm from Kazakhstan. That's probably not going to convert well for you. Probably not. Probably. I thought we were going to put music there for a second. That, that was a cool <laughs> But, you know, and, and you got to remember, I think the key thing to keep in mind for, for anybody out there, um, either in the SEO business or a small business owner that's listening to this, is these keywords that we're playing with are extremely difficult to rank for. So as a local business owner, local law firm owner, you have to play in the same water. you got to wade in the same water as all the other as all the other big fish. And so you've got this whole, you really, it's this small law firm and then the medium sized local law firm that may have like four, you know, three, four, five offices. You're, if you're a solo guy sitting up the street in your, in your 2000 square foot office, you've got to compete against the depth and breadth of that law firm. And that, that's really difficult because they're all the same keywords. That's very, I mean, that's almost like a retail setup. Like I'm a local retailer selling, you know, I don't know, bell bottom jeans because it's the 1960s, whatever. And you're also competing with Amazon. Amazon and JCPenney's Macy's and all the other, right, all the other exactly. very similar to retail in that aspect. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 it's not similar to cars because you have people that look at used cars and new cars. And so the used car lots tend to be smaller. And so you can kind of funnel into that, but right. You know, I same mean, thing in retail, right. You know, somebody searching for a bathing suit, 
and they're you know there's specific especially here in virginia beach there's mom and pop bathing soup shops that have been around for 65 years and multiple generations and they've got to compete against you know the macy's of the world it's tough no that's, that's definitely tough um i wanted to ask you just something you mentioned that sort of caught my attention with um with the way you're describing um the 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 local attorneys versus the national attorneys and it goes back to what you're saying about convergence before i'm wondering the way you would let's say you're a, a big national lawyer but because of the the nature of your work, it's like not something you're gonna you know I'm gonna read I'm gonna read an article and I'll fill out a form whatever it is. It's very like detailed. Let's say it's you know some kind of tax law. I, I need a tax attorney. I'm in trouble with the IRS. You know, and, and you have people who fill out forms versus you have people who are calling in. Right? I would imagine that th- those calls are far more valuable because it means a person's really serious about hiring that lawyer or really serious about using the service versus, you know, I don't know, whatever other goal you're you're going to establish. They, they clicked on this button, they filled out this form, they downloaded whatever. It seems to me, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, that in, in the legal field, there's going to be different types. The, the quality of the conversion is going to be different, you know, for, say, a call versus uh, filling out whatever it is, some sort of stupid form. Yeah, you're near dear to my heart here. Um, yeah, so so we, you know, calls have to be answered, and and if if and we even the smallest of law firms, there's a whole industry out there that is catered to serving these firms with call answering service after hours, and we highly recommend that because the consumer of legal services needs to feel like they got what they were looking for. Just almost there's other sectors that are like this as well, um, but this one's unique in that. Man, these people are in trouble. Like, if they need a criminal lawyer, they need right. to feel like I found. I have someone the right to speak person. to. Yeah, they yeah. need some. So we find the live chat conversions to be extremely. Oh, that's valuable. cool. Right, right. That's a good think example. Think about legal. Think about conversions in the legal space. Right. I'm working all day. Am I going to sit on my company computer and like search for my lawyer? Eh, I mean, some do. Right. But I, you know what? Eight o'clock at night. That's probably when I'm going to be on my phone. <laughs> Looking, you know, when, when it pops up that I've got a traffic ticket in three days that I didn't hire anybody to go, you know, appear for me. Um, you know, that's in court. That's, that's when, that's when I'm going to do a lot of research and you can't get a hold of a lawyer at eight o'clock at night. I mean, in the personal injury business, they do this really, really well. And, and the personal injury law business is a big model for the mom and pop law firms across the country. And really for anybody, you want to talk about a tight intake process. You call one of these big regional national firms. Even if you fill out a form, Morty, you're getting a text on your phone. You're getting a call the next morning. You've got two emails in your inbox with an ebook and with, uh, you know, direct contact information for a lawyer, for your, you know, the case manager in your case. I mean, it's, it really is drilled down really tight. And to get the local law firm to embrace that, that's, that's where it's at, man, because that's what people, you know, that's what they expect these days. It's so funny because when you talk about SMBs or whatever it is, the level of nuance that we're talking about right now is really not discussed, right? The, you know, we talk about conversions and goals or whatever it is, but really there's there's very big differences between what type of conversion it is. And it seems to me that the legal field itself, the legal space, is very unique. And I'm sure there are – and that's exactly my point. I'm not saying that you know the legal field is unique and the auto industry is not unique. It's that each vector, each vertical rather, seems to have its very, very unique considerations in how to qualify the data. Uh, for example, I'm just wondering, you know, in terms of the legal field being unique, how does that play itself out? And I'm sure, like, in terms of content, that's probably got to be interesting because the type of content you write has to be probably, I would imagine, if it's legal content, needs to be very precise. Hey, precision, precision law, digital. I got that backwards. But it, 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 it makes sense that legal needs to be precise versus, like, a plumber. I don't think the content that they're writing needs to be exactly as technical as what your, the legal sphere is going to put out. I wonder if you can speak to, in other words, my rambling is, what specific um, nuances, what specific considerations do you have in the legal field that you might not have in another legal, um, another legal, another local uh, industry? Yeah, I think that really does separate. Uh, there is some separation there between other spaces. Um, the uh, obvious alignment to that would be chiropractors, um, any kind of doctor, any real, you know, uh, any, uh, you know, accountants, any professional, um, type services that have a large amount of regulation behind them, um, that are, that are watching what they put out on the internet. And, you know, um, it needs to be very careful about the content they create. We, so here's the deal with legal, right? We can't be wrong, Morty. We cannot be wrong. If we are legally wrong in a, let's just say a blog, we write a blog about, um, you know, the top five things to do after a DUI. And you write that blog and you get it wrong because maybe, maybe uh, they're in uh, Arkansas and your writer is located in Virginia. Well, guess what? 
your writer has to figure out what the local laws and, and statutes are in Arkansas and they can't screw it up. So like what we do is we just, we employ attorneys. We employ attorneys to write our content. We just said, we don't want to be liable. You're almost or, like, a, you're almost like a health site, which is funny because you, first off, you are a YMYL site. You are your money, your life industry. Yeah, for sure. It's just funny because you don't normally think about it like that because hey, health, finance, those are, you know, I understand like the immediate loss. If I get health information wrong, I get finance information lo- wrong. But I, it's almost because of, and this is my personal bias, because of TV lawyers, because of Judge Judy, because of the, the, the personal injury laws you see during the prices right in the middle of the day, you almost tend not to think of the legal sphere as like this super authoritative YMYL space. It's very much parallel to the health sphere. Absolutely. And even those nationwide, uh, what are called tort lawyers, if you will, or class action lawsuits, those guys have to be accurate. Um, and anything they're doing, everything they're saying, uh, go to their websites and read their blogs. They're very authoritative. They have to be. And, and, you know, it comes down to that trust factor. Like when we take over a project from another vendor, um, there's, you know, not every vendor uses attorneys to write content. So it's riddled with, you hear this a lot. Yeah. I was getting blogs sent to me, but man, they were terrible. Like legal inaccuracies and just, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean they were terrible? I mean, were they not readable? I know they were readable. But it, it, it just it, legally, factually, they were wrong. So I had to make a bunch of corrections. All That's the time. not good. And you got to remember, man, like this. OK, so in law school, you do two things. You research and you write. <laughs> right. So these guys, usually these folks are even if they hate it, they're good writers. Usually they're good writers, even if they're good. Le- they're, they're probably better legal writers, you know, legal content writers. And they would be, you know, just normal like, marketing writers, write a romance novel. Right. <laughs> but, but they know what to look for. And so if you send them a blog and it like it's got factual legal information that's wrong. Oh, I'm sure or, they're gonna tear it apart. That's what lawyers are good at. Yeah, but the con so the opposite side of that is you send them a blog that's written in plain English and you get it back and you're like, Well, this is terrible and you have to, again it's the education thing. You're like, Look, you need to be writing for your audience. Like Right. No, I mean Google know. said that during COVID nineteen, like you should not be writing highly technical health content. You should write content that people can digest, the average person can digest. But to, you know, sort of bring this you know full full circle. That all speaks to you know making sure that you have the, the the right metrics in front of you, the right qualifications of those metrics, so that when you speak to your client or when you're working with a, a client, you have you under, you can develop a real understanding of what's working, what's not working, what you should be looking at, what you should not be looking at. Like I would imagine, the number of blog posts we have is not a great metric to look at versus the number of highly authoritative, precise blog posts that we have produced. Might be only one versus a hundred crappy ones that you've produced, but they're, it, it's a, it, it doesn't matter. If it's wrong and it's not accurate, you're only going to hurt yourself. Yeah, well, you know what's tough about blogging, right, is, is how many ways can you say the same thing? Four million. Like, you're a marketer. I can say it in a million different ways. Yeah, but then you run out of a million. Trust <laughs> me. True. You know, the top five things to do after an auto accident. Yeah, try to write that blog and make it unique. Right, but that's it's what I mean. Like, you, can write that, you can write that blog post and you can bring in a ton of traffic. But if it's not really high authoritative content, you're not really going to say, "Wow, you know, I really this lawyer, I got to hire them." Like this was a, this was a very informative post. They would under, they know exactly what they're talking about. If you're just going to give me five tips to get out of your DOI and just like you know write fluff, I'm not going to hire you. Yeah, I mean, well, that's you know, and you don't see that a lot, right? It's more of like you know, how much of that content can you really get to rank on decent keywords and get traffic from? And when you write a post and you see it ranking. And it's bringing in conversions. That's, you know, that's maybe one, one in five, one in 10. It just, you know, Interesting. Again, these are very competitive keywords. So again, like it comes back to like each, each niche, each, each vertical, each industry has their own, has their own, um, um, target lines of what success looks like and doesn't look like. That's right. And, and, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you is that, you know, cause I know, you know, I, we run into this where an agency may have two law firms on their roster and they've got 200 clients, 300 clients. And so, and maybe they're listening and, and maybe they can glean some information from, from this, but this vertical is very, very sensitive and it's very unique in many, many ways. And there's others that are the same, but, right. yeah, but this I, one in particular. I would imagine there are a lot of local verticals that get, this is really the point of this interview. There are probably a lot of local verticals. That the people doing the digital marketing or the SEO are just treating it like you're run-of-the-mill plumber, you're run-of-the-mill electrician, and that's what local SEO looks like, and that's what looking at metrics looks like, and that's what you know conversions look like. But it's really not. You have some very, very specific verticals. I mean, I'm, I, there's, obviously, we're talking about the legal vertical, 
but I'm sure there's many, 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 many others where you can't run those run-of-the-mill metrics or that run-of-the-mill outlook and really walk away with anything substantial. Absolutely agree. So with this, with this, I have a fun little game that I play with all my guests. It's called Optimize It or Disavow It. And it's where after you give me all these amazing insights, I try to corner you and make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I'm going to give you two options. And either they're two really good options and you're still choosing one good option over another good option or two really bad options. And in which case you're stuck choosing one bad option over another bad option. And that, of course, is uncomfortable. This is then the Stephen Long version of Optimize It or Disavow It. So one of the things I love about the, the, the legal sphere is my own misconception that it's a very spammy industry in and of itself. But because because my my preconceived notions that every lawyer is like you know one eight hundred lawyers call us now have you broken your neck did you did you fall at work that's my association to every single lawyer so that brings me to high conversions with a spammy business listing name or lower conversions but a legitimate name being used in the Google My Business listing which would you rather again high conversions but spammy name. Or lower conversions, but you're a legitimate business. For me, it's legitimate business all day. But that lines up with everything else we've been talking about today, too. And I know you can get spammy to pay off. And where we see that a lot is you'll have a you'll have a firm that has one office, but then all of a sudden they pop up in ten different localities with spammy <laughs> names and version. Yeah, that whole game is played very heavily in our business, and and it's a pain in the butt to deal with. That's got to be hard, by the way, to see that. I mean, because it, it does it does work to a certain extent for a certain amount That's of time. Right. Does until the client realizes that you suck and then they leave. That's why it's so attractive. That's why people do it because it does actually work. But long term, um, yeah. does it does it work long term? I mean, you know, I don't know. I, it's uh, it's a not. big problem in our business, and then with the recent issues that Google My Business has been having in general, it's been largely ignored. Um, that is a major you know, problem. Where yeah, where it's taken a, you know thirty forty five days to get a listing unsuspended. And, That's you know very big suspended problem. for ridiculous reasons in the first place. So. So, yeah, getting getting caught doing something spammy is not worth it in our business. And you'd have to imagine that if you're if you're a lawyer and you're running some kind of spammy gimmick, whatever it is, like that's not just going to be in your listing title. That's going to you know be pervasive. It's going to be in everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have you have you ever heard of any? Have you ever heard of a local law firm uh, running four separate landing pages with four separate PPC accounts to try to occupy the top part of the <laughs> That's that's brilliant. I mean, it's terrible. That's brilliant. Check this out. It works. It works. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. It, it all different phone numbers. All different. They didn't. The other three didn't have addresses on them. They were just you know they were just landing pages. Right. But it absolutely right. works. And so check this out. So we did a study on that. We were asked to come in and go. Okay. Well. Are conversions from each four of these pages, do any of them overlap? And it was like 2% overlap. So yeah, does it work? Sure, it does. Right. It works. But is it ethical? I don't no. know. That's great. That's not, I mean, that's not good. That's a, that's a very spammy thing to do. So you made it, it very is. clear. You'd rather have less conversions but be a good person. I, I'm into the good person because unfortunately – you see too much stuff out there that's not good. So yeah. I mean, look, long, long term, you're not going to win if you're going to be spammy. It's going to catch up to you. Yeah, and then, man, but but it works. So it's it's this dichotomy. That, right? That's it, right. That's that makes it a hard question. But I, you, you can't got, do it. It's, you got to look in the mirror. You got to be. I mean, yeah, right. You have to wake up in the morning. Like, oh, I thought I just do that. Morty, I'm ugly enough. Like, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to thank you for coming on, Stephen. This was very enjoyable and very informative. Thank you so much. Thank you, Morty. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you. YouTube. And we are back to your regularly scheduled in search SEO podcast. <laughs> SEO podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I started doing that, but I'm starting to do that. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> hey. Okay. Takes one to know one. Uh, <laughs> I know you are, but what I am I? No, I have no retribution for that. You're a weirdo, Sapir. Uh, am I? Yep. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. Just I, would, I would just put that out there. <laughs> okay. Thank you, um, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> and now. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. And now it's time for the news. So, Sapir, would you please hit it with the news?
has updated its webmaster guidelines and listed the top ranking factors it uses. They are relevance, quality and credibility, user engagement, freshness, location, and page load time. Right. So this is interesting. They, they use um, user behavior metrics, whereas Google doesn't. For those of the people out there who are against the idea of Google or who are against the idea of using these metrics and who agree with Google they don't use these user behavior metrics, that could be why Bing sucks. Right. That's okay. a good argument for you. Don't I mean that's probably <laughs> bigger than that, but yeah. Absolutely. Moving on. Shopping ads on the desktop SERP will no longer show with the sponsored label, as Google has aligned desktop with mobile by showing the ads under a label that reads ad. So I know we freak out every time Google changes an ad label. Like, oh, they must be doing this to make it harder to see and get more money. But in this case, <laughs> I think it makes like the spot, the grade scaled sponsor label was hard to see. Very ambiguous. Like what is sponsored exactly? Hey, it's a freaking ad. So Google's now saying right. it's a freaking ad. It would be right. better if Google put a label there that said, this is a freaking ad. And then it blinked. <laughs> This is right. a freaking and ad, you freaking exact, moron. Exact same uh, phrase. Yep. That is a freaking ad. Yeah, this is okay. a freaking ad. <laughs> right. Okay. Freak. Moving on. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I wasn't talking on. to you, but wow, self-conscious. Go ahead. Get moving on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God help me. Okay. A study from Proficient Digital says that voice search is not growing. Usage of voice devices has leveled off. Yeah, I again talking about this about about this on this podcast for a while. At this point, voice search. Right. We, when when you're still using it to try to trick the voice device into getting the wrong answer, like hey, who's using it? Do you even? I don't even use it. it. I never Seriously, use it. Right. No, there are people who use it. I know in the SEO industry we all use it because hey, except for me, because hey, like <laughs> you know we have to use it because it's the newest thing. But no one really uses it. Clearly, as the study shows. Right. Okay, moving on. The test program that puts ads in your local panel is back. Ads are being shown in local panels and businesses cannot opt out. Right. So if you're, let's say, you're a restaurant, you're um, Morty's Marvelous Hamburgers. Because I make marvelous hamburgers. (laughs) I used to have a hamburger named after me when we used to tailgate every Sunday at my uncle's house for the Steeler games. It was called a Mort Burger. Anyway. Um, anyway. Yeah, they're very good. It, it, so if you, so you have this restaurant, Morty's Marvelous Hamburgers. So now let's say like you, one of these delivery services, which I can't think of on the top of my head. Come on, Morty. Come on, DoorDash. They can throw an ad in there saying, you know, order for Morty's Marvelous Hamburgers through DoorDash. Which then I, I don't like it. Because a lo- you, you're using GMB, you're setting up this local panel, you're putting in all this input, you're creating a property for yourself, and then Google's throwing an ad in that kind of costs you money in the end, in this particular case. It, it just yeah. doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, it rubs me the wrong way. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Morty. Yeah, okay. Lastly, Google may be causing inflated abandoned cart metrics. According to a Wall Street Journal report, Googlebot can add products to a cart but of course, abandons them, meaning some of your abandoned carts might actually be Google. Yeah, so there's this um, notorious cart abandoner, John Smith. Turns out it's Google. So if you see cart abandoned by John Smith, <laughs> it's Google. Right, but, it's Google. Yeah, yeah. but okay, before everyone freaks out, the reason why Google's doing this is because of all of you jerk faces out there who will put a lower price on the actual page, and then when you add it to the cart, it's a higher price. So Google's checking to see that the price you list and the price that's put there once you add the item to the cart are the same. Mm-hmm. So I blame not Google. I blame people for this problem. Right. I blame right. people. Most of the you things in my that. life that are annoying, I blame people for. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That and a pangolin and a bat. But yeah. And people. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that's the news it. up here. Is that it? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that welcome. was all I had on my list. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the news up here. That was inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Sure See, it, as lively as a microwave potato, over microwave potato. <laughs> Just wow. confirming my analysis. With that, that brings us to the overbaked pota- microwave potatoes favorite segment, the fun SEO send-off question. 
so for for someone as lively as an overbaked microwave over microwave potato, I'll get it right. You do have good questions for this segment. You are you are on a roll. Am I? Yep. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I just do the minimum. <laughs> <But okay>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week we're asking, what was Google's dream job as a kid? Stripper. <laughs> what? Uh, anyway, my question, my answer, <laughs> I would say search engine and then... Wow, that's they creative. Wow, yeah. they live, they're living the dream, huh? Exactly. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first kid to actually, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say like a, either a lumberjack. Lumberjack? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why not? That's a cool job. I mean, yeah, sure. But is that, is that still a job? There's still lumberjacks out there? Probably. Like, who's. Who, yeah, I guess. I mean, someone's got to cut down all the trees in the world to screw the whole world up, right? And, and also to make furniture. And also to make furniture. To make furniture. Okay. Out of why? wood. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the lumberjack. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've completely you lost you. Um, also, oh, okay. Google's Google's other um, dream job as, as a kid uh, was a garbage person. Oh. Garbage collector. Okay. Yeah, cause that's, and, okay. and that's why it's so good at taking out the spam. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. That's yeah. good. Finally, right? a good answer. Finally, we went wow. from stripper to lumberjack to trash collector. <laughs> right. <laughs> Save the best for last. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your great question this week, Sapir. That'll do it for us in the InSearch SEO podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week as Dr. Pete is on the show. Check it out. Look forward all new next Tuesday. It's the In Search SEO podcast. Good in search because we're all in search of good things to watch on Netflix. Toodles.